0: start today with a little bit of a different approach to a Christmas Eve Eve service, if we could call it that. As we all know, next, next week's Christmas Eve, and I have to tell you it's the scariest day of the year to preach. You know what? It is. Christmas intimidates me more than any other day of the year. Um, because how many of us have heard the Christmas story? Just raise your hand. You've heard the Christmas story? Kind of get the picture, right? So to uh, preach Christmas has always been a little intimidating, and today I want to take a little bit of a different approach to to begin today. I want to read to you two stories to start, two stories. One we find in John chapter 4, starting in verse 46, and then the other one, which is a story that's found in three of the gospel accounts, but I'm going to be reading from Mark's version of this particular story, found in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 25. So two stories, and one big reason in the end. So I'm going to start John chapter 4, starting in verse 46. I'm going to read through verse 54. And then, like I said, if you want to mark in your Bible, or if you want to just follow along, if you want to stay awake for the next few minutes that we're here, I will read it to you, and we will get through this together. John chapter 4, starting in verse 46, it says this. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him that to come down and heal his son. So let me just put in perspective here what's going on. Jesus is traveling through. He had just met with the woman at the well. Remember, he was he's coming back home up north, and he's going through Samaria. He meets the woman at the well in John chapter 4, has this beautiful interaction with her, and then many people come to believe and worship him. Now he's heading back north, and he gets into Cana which is a city in the region of Galilee. And in Cana is where Jesus is when this official gets word that Jesus is back in town. There's, you know, like the song just said, there's a new kid in town, but Jesus back, Jesus is back. All right. Uh, I couldn't help but the picture of the Backstreet Boys announcing that, you know, back in my teenage years, Backstreet's back. All right. Uh, Maybe Jesus kind of came back into Cana like that, had a little flair to him. Uh, Probably not. Um, But just don't let Michaela know that NSYNC's not as good as the Backstreet Boys, all right? Just keep that between us. But anyway, he gets back. This official hears that Jesus is back. So to put in perspective here, if I were to get in my car and drive to the Loge, how long would that take us? 20, 25 minutes maybe? This is a 25-mile journey. And that day there were no Nissan Altimas, there were no Toyotas. It was by foot, donkey, camel, whatever you could afford to travel those 25 miles, which would have taken a couple of days. So to put into perspective Jesus is coming back into town, this official hears that he's back and he says, I'm gonna travel the two days. Why? Because my son is ill. Right? I mean to just put into perspective as a father, like we would go to every measure. Would we not? We would exhaust every resource we would travel as far as necessary to seek the help for our children. So he travels the 25 miles, which would have taken him. So it didn't just happen where Jesus pops back into town. Here comes the car down the road, this official. This is a couple of days. This is a few days passing in which this man is traveling to see Jesus with a great amount of angst. His son is dying. So he goes on to say, For he come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So Jesus tells this man, unless you see, you will not believe. He says, sir, come down before my child dies. It's almost as if his way saying two things in one. I don't have time for a lot of talk. You know the condition of my son, but I believe that you are the guy that can do it. He says, come down. And then he says, your son will live. Well, this man has yet seen no evidence, right? He believes what? The word that Jesus spoke to him. It reminded me of what Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1 says. Faith is what? The assurance of things hoped for. This man was leaving, believing a word from Jesus. Hopeful that when he would return home, his son would be healed. For Jesus said his son would be healed. His son will live. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, but the conviction of things not what? Seen. So this man possesses faith to say, okay, whatever condition my son is in, I believe the word of Jesus. I believe that Jesus, when he says my son will be healed, my son will live, that he will live. So he believes Jesus at his word, so he literally begins to walk simply by the word of Christ. And he has no evidence yet until he gets close to home. His servants do what? They come and meet him and they tell him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that this was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And then it says, he himself believed. And so did what? All his household. His entire household believed by the act of Christ. Now, if you flip over to Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 25, we read another wonderful story. And we read about a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And it goes on to say that she had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, even if I touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about him in the crowd and said, who touched my garment? The disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and you say, who touched me? And he looked to round to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So I just read to you two different stories. One, the father is walking with angst and urgency because his son is ill traveling and pursuing jesus going to whatever measure he has to to find this man the man that has done miracles the man that turned water into wine in the very same area the the man that people are believing to be messiah god in flesh the promised one the the king of kings coming in flesh here he is he's coming back into town word gets around and he is going to get to him why because he is the only hope that he has we don't know how sick this boy was or for how long now, we do know that the woman who had the issue of bleeding was sick or was ill for how long? Twelve years. I don't know if you realize this, but some in this room were not, al- not alive twelve years ago. Most of the people that just left this room were not alive twelve years ago. Twelve years is a long time. I mean, just think about where you were twelve years ago. Maybe you shouldn't for some of you. All right. Let's just be honest. Maybe you shouldn't think about where you were 12 years ago. I mean, think about just how much life changes in 12 years. Think about how much more capable of doing things you were 12 years ago, right? Think about how much more energy you had, about how much less pain you had, how your joints felt so much better, how your hair was a different color and you know, naturally, um, how your bank account may have been a lot bigger or maybe a lot less. I mean, a lot of stuff happens in 12 years. 12 years is a long time. This woman had suffered with this issue for 12 years and had spent all that she had to get help. She's went to every physician. You know, if this was this day and age, she would have searched WebMD. She would have watched TikTok She would have found every doctor on YouTube. She would have Googled it until her Google fingers were done typing to find every remedy, every doctor, every, you know, uh, personal opinion online. She would have found every specialist to seek the help that she needed. And in that day and age, she had spent all that she had to try every remedy, every professional. She's reached out to everyone that has suffered through those same things. And guess what? No help. There has been no relief over 12 years. I mean, think about suffering from the same ailment for 12 years is a long, long time. Going to people that are to be professionals and to help you, yet you still continue to struggle for 12 years. I kept thinking, Michaela and I got married August 18th, 2012, which is 11 going on 12 years. 12 years is a very, very long time right 12 years though especially for Michaela yes amen to that 12 years this boy may have been ill for a few days a few weeks maybe months may have been years we don't know exactly but we see two things in common both of these people hurt both of these people had an urgency in their life and they had a they had a great need that was near and dear to who they were see the father traveled because of his son which represents those of us who have kids who are ill or it also represents those of us who have children who live in rebellion who need help from God all of us at one point or another are going to suffer in this life right if you've lived over the age of about seven or eight uh, you've come to experience some form of pain and suffering. And and it's true for the believers and the non-believers. I mean, we've all been hurt before we've all been offended before we've all experienced pain in real ways we've all been diagnosed before we've all hurt before we've all cried and wept before we've we've experienced life in various ways that have truly hurt us or even scarred us permanently right i mean if you've been there just raise your hand if you've been hurt you've ached your heart has hurt broken you've been scarred all of us share that in common now to what extreme is dependent upon who you are We don't know the severity of this boy's illness, how long it was, but we know that he was ill to the point of death. We know for a fact this woman had been ill for 12 years with no relief. So this father goes to whatever extreme he has to and to exhaust every resource that he has to to see his son be healed. And he does so by traveling the 25 miles over a few days' time to find this man. I mean, this wasn't just somebody walking through the grocery store. In fact, uh, I believe it was around the time that The Last Dance was released or I just watched something on YouTube. Michael Jordan, back in his prime, had the grocery shop in the middle of the night. Did you know that? He could not go out in public because anytime he left his home, he was flocked by paparazzi, fans, people just flocked to him. So a grocery store in Chicago, the owner allowed him and met him in the middle of the night Every time he needed to go to the store, he would go at like 12.31 a.m. He couldn't leave his house without being flocked. I mean, this is the kind of attention Jesus was drawing in that time. So it's not like this man just happened to run across Jesus. He was all by himself in the middle of the store, you know. This man was being chased down, flocked, and people were crowding him at every chance they could. This man had to push through crowds. This man had to travel a long distance to get to Jesus, and wouldn't we do the same if our child was in need? We would do whatever it took to get the help. If this woman, who had been sick for 12 years, would go through every extreme to get to Jesus, she would fight through the crowd. Here is what we come to realize. Yes, both of these people were at represent us who suffer on behalf of our children, grandchildren, or those who are close to us, and then it also represents to those by the woman in the story, those of us who suffer because of our own lives. Maybe you're diagnosed, or maybe you fight depression or anxiety. Maybe you are living in relationships are being broken, and you wonder, are they ever going to be restored? Maybe there are things in your life that truly hurt, and you're walking with great pain. And you've tried everything. You've listened to every influencer on social media on how to fix it. You've read every article posted. You've read the medical journals. You've, you've sought the people who have walked through this very same thing. And, and you are doing everything that you can. You're exhausting every resource to see either your loved one healed or restored, made new, or even yourself. But here's what we come to find in this story And these two stories and the one other commonality is that both of these stories ended, why? Because of Jesus. So we should praise God this Christmas, because if it was not for Christmas, these stories would not have been written. If it was not for Jesus being born in a manger 2,000 years ago to then rise to be a man that God had sent up to the point of even enduring the the cross that was set before him, these stories would not be read. These are just two of the many stories that we read throughout the New Testament of Jesus healing people. I mean, some of you may know stories off the top of your head of Jesus healing people throughout the gospel accounts. And and in fact, John wrote, he says, look, there's not enough books in the world to fill all that Jesus had done. I mean, we're talking about a man that didn't just wander around for three years and accomplish a little bit. This was a man that did mighty things on a daily basis. But guess what? All of these things were done for what kind of people? broken sinful people jesus god in flesh would be so generous to broken people that he would heal he would restore he would give sight to the blind he would raise from the dead he would give listening or deaf ears the, the ability to listen he would give those who were mute the ability to speak he would bring hope to people who were hopeless like this is all because of what christmas i mean this is all because of christmas because Jesus came 2,000 years ago. So as we get ready for Christmas in our, ho- in our homes and, and in our workplaces and we're exchanging gifts and we're baking goods and all of these things, may we never forget that you and I are truly people, right? I mean, we can put the facade on, get through the holidays, smile our way through these things, and we can bake the goods and exchange the gifts, but deep down there may be some of us who truly hurt this Christmas, There may be relationships fractured this Christmas. There may be people physically ill this Christmas. There may be people who are single-handedly just hurting this Christmas. But I preach this to remind you that sometimes you can try everything possible. You can attempt every remedy. You can listen to every professional. But sometimes you might find yourself like these two and find that all you have is Jesus. But what you might find is that sometimes Jesus is simply all you need. Now for some of you, you may have come in today and said, man, my life is perfect. Life is great. Got money in the bank. All of our, food, all of our bills are paid. Perfect health. Perfect relationships. Perfect. If that's you, I'm glad you're here to enjoy worshiping with us. But If you live a little while longer, you might just find that that time may come for you. Not that I'm trying to scare you or wish ill on anyone. I pray for all of us to have prosperous lives, of course. I pray for all of us to live joyful, long lives and experience much. But there's also a great reality that those of us who follow Christ will face suffering in one way or another. There is also a great reality that there are people in this room who are hurting physically, relationally, mentally, just ill. And I preach this message because these two stories were burning in my heart all week. Because because on one hand, I picture people in the father's story. You're hurting not because of you necessarily. You feel good, job's good, family's decent, but there's people in your life that you love that are living in rebellion. There's people in your life that you love that are truly suffering and, and you find yourself in the father's shoes willing to go at every, whatever expense, willing to exhaust every resource to see that one or those two or that group of your family or your friends or those people that you love. You're going to do whatever it takes to see them healed or to see them restored or to see them made new. Right, I mean, there's some of us in this room that are in that particular story to where we will go to whatever end we need to go to to see that child or that grandchild or that loved one restored. And then there's people in this room that may just find themselves in the woman's story who you've been suffering with something for so long, some people may have not even ever known it. Some people have never even seen it. But in both of these stories, they end with Jesus performing the miracle. Now, I want to tell you this. I would imagine that the majority of us in this room have prayed before asking God to do something miraculous, right? We've been there, heal our bodies, restore the marriage, fix our financial issues or our problems, open the job doors again. I mean, we've all been there. But I can't go any further without saying there's going to be times where Jesus hears our cries, and God actually intervenes and changes things. And then there's also going to be times where God does not. So I don't want to sell you a, a false hope that whatever I pray, God's just going to answer it exactly how I want it. Because there is a great reality that he won't. But there's also a great reality that he will. Because I serve a God that intervenes in the personal lives of people like you and me. We serve a God that intervenes and heals bodies of people like you and me. We serve a God that is able to do what is impossible with man. We serve a God that is able to restore relationships that were fractured for years and caused us much pain and suffering. And, and we've tried everything in our own power. Both of these people have tried everything in their own power, but they found themselves exhausted every single resource possible. All they had left was who? Jesus. Maybe for some in this room, you've tried everything you can, and you hurt this Christmas and you've exhausted every resource. You've attempted every, every means of reconciliation. But maybe, just maybe, this be the Christmas that you find yourself running to Jesus. See, for the father, he ran and he walked away believing. For the woman, she ran to Jesus. She fought through the crowd. She touched his garments. And guess what? She was healed immediately. And she saw the evidence firsthand. There are people in this room that you may cry out to the Lord and you might believe. See, Hebrews said what? That faith is the assurance of things what? Hoped for. I would say there's probably people in this room that are hoping for something right now that you are hopeful for God to intervene in one way or another, right? I mean, we've been there. Maybe, maybe you're praying, you're, you're fasting, you're secretly hopeful because, one, uh, not a lot of us like to expose our own vulnerabilities and our own issues, right? So there's part of us that wants to just hope for silently, and we don't want anyone to know the real struggles or the real life that we face. And what I want to encourage you to do is this Christmas as those things that you hope for, to truly put your faith and trust that Jesus is capable of doing it. Neither of these people came to Jesus asking, hey, are you able to do? They both said, no. If I touch his garment, he can heal me. If you will just come down, my son will be healed. None of these people thought, I wonder if Jesus is capable. Both of these people came with the faith and and trust in Jesus to do what was seeming impossible to them. They had different stories, but the same result. Jesus provided for them what no one else and nothing else could. That's why I'm thankful for Christmas. I don't know about you, but I have lived 32 years now. I know I don't look my age, but I'm 32, all right? Some of you were gray at 32, don't let me, don't let me remind you. At 32, I've lived long enough to know that life is fun at times. I love it. Life is hard at times. We face challenges, we we push through, we persevere. But there's times where life literally hurts. You know, and, and something I couldn't help but think about, I thought about this last week as the communion song was going on, and I couldn't help but to think that we've all been injured. Before, Maybe physically or spiritually, emotionally, relationally. We've, we've hurt before. You know, and the one thing that I've noticed in common, if everyone got really, really quiet, you could hear something in this church. Did you know that? If, in a perfect world, when I did this by myself this morning, there wasn't 200 people here, I could hear that clock right there. Did you know that? I mean, this was by myself in a room where I had no other person in here and I was just reading and I kept hearing this thing tick in the background. I wonder, what in the world is that? It was the clock right above the doors. None of us ever hear it on a Sunday because of all the commotion and all the people and all the laughs and the cries and the the parents and the kids and the hugs and the laughter. Like, you're not going to hear it. But I was in here by myself and I kept hearing this tick. And I was reminded that regardless of how hard life hurts, Time continues to move. Or Netflix. I don't know. Whatever someone came to church watching. Uh, probably Bluey or, you know, whatever. I didn't hear that this morning, but I did hear the clock ticking. But I was in here by myself and I was just reminded as I thought about last week and I was thinking about these two stories and I was thinking about 200 or more people coming into this place and there might be one perfect person in here where life is great, but then there's also going to be a great reality of, of poor, you know, a portion of people, a percentage of people that come in here with heavy hearts. There's going to be a percentage of people that come in here that are going through some things right now where life isn't just bliss and beauty like the Christmas tree may look or like the lights on the house may look. And deep down, you may truly be suffering. I mean, that's the reality. But guess what continues to happen? Tick, tick. Time does not stop to just allow us to heal our wounds and then we can pick back up. Time continues to go. For this woman of his 12 years, time ticked. And life continued to move on. Did you know the world does not stop when you or I hurt? I mean, we could be in the funeral home, and we could be grieving. We could lose someone very near and dear to us. But the world continues to move at such a rapid pace. And it just reminds me that you and I sometimes can get caught up in that. But there are also times where we sit and dwell in where we are and wish that the world would just stop, right? We just wish that it would stop. But unfortunately, it continues to tick. Life continues to move on. So you have two choices to make. I'm going to run to Jesus and pray, believe, and hope that things change. Or we just grow accustomed to the dysfunction and to the ailments to where we think, well, we'll just let this tick away. We'll just allow these things to carry on. We'll just live with the suffering." You know, we've done 12 years now, we might as well just continue on. We've done three weeks now, we might as well just continue on. And there's a great reality that you and I will make one of two decisions. We will live with the sufferings and the dysfunctions and the brokenness, the sinfulness, and the, you know, just the um, hurting and the sorrow in our lives for the rest of the time that we have because it's still going to tick. So sometimes we just get used to it and we'll just live with it. We'll just bury it down. We'll just get over it. But then there's also a time where we can find ourselves running to Jesus and pleading that this be changed and hopeful that things will change. But here's what I want to remind you. This Christmas, you can praise the Lord because Jesus is capable of intervening and changing whatever it is that you face. He's capable. So, so you don't have to listen to the tick, tick, tick. And just allow it to continue on. You can actually run to a Savior who rose from the dead on the third, third day, but also lives so personally with you that he can intervene on your behalf and to fix and to change whatever it is that you face. Let's pray.